0: welcome to therapy is dope
1: with alicia and julie let's make self-help fun again but no seriously laughter is the best medicine come and join us as we introduce new ways of thinking and being and hopefully get you laughing along the way
0: what's up we're back from the
1: holidays hello hello and i have a very exciting topic today And it is narcissism.
0: Oh, yes.
1: Alicia brought it up. She's like, we got to talk about this a few weeks ago. And I was like, okay, it's on the list. And now we're, we got to it. It's like, this is really exciting because there's so much to it. And there's a lot of questions that I also need to ask because I'm not sure what it is exactly. Like, and I don't know if it's like, if it's forever or is it a short period of time? Can you change? Are you a forever narcissist? I know so many questions. As
0: Alicia. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's really interesting because the personality disorders, uh, I don't think we're like heavily focused on in my studies in grad school because technically, usually you don't bill the billing companies with a personality disorder. And the reason that you don't bill using the code of a personality disorder is because you usually don't get that much better. So insurance companies are less likely to want to pay you if somebody's diagnosis is a personality disorder. So usually we make that like the secondary or tertiary diagnosis, and there's usually something else as the primary. But realistically, if a person has a personality disorder, that's the
1: primary. That's the primary (sighs) problem. (laughs) because <laughs> I thought I was a narcissist because I look at like different time ty- times of my relationships or different times of not just romantic but like platonic relationships too and I go wow I really act like a narcissist maybe at that period of my life I was one but apparently if it's personality I don't think I am now so was I just in a phase
0: well I mean I think okay so I'm kind of torn on, on the, the ideas out here about narcissism because on one hand people throw that term around a lot and so they damn near call everybody a narcissist um and i think also the way that we think about narcissists isn't necessarily correct because there's a difference between being selfish and being a narcissist and um narcissism is much more pervasive kind of across the board and then some people just choose to be a little bit more selfish and everybody's selfish like let's be honest everybody has a level and degree of selfishness (laughs) in them Uh, so I think that people get very confused about what narcissism is and and then the problem also is that I do think unfortunately that there are more narcissists Than we know that there are so I think like I I saw a table red table talk with um Will Smith's wife and she was saying that uh Hollywood's full of narcissists and I was like that does that make sense and then I I was like well I guess yeah it could make sense because I think that narcissists can be born that way and then I also think that they can be created and so it's a very sort of almost like contradictory and confusing subject and <laughs> so yeah, I can I understand.
1: Gonna say, yeah, I was going to say like when you say some are born or some are created. So if you're if you are crea- a, a narcissist that was created, couldn't you be uncreated? Couldn't you Yes, f- like like follow certain um behavioral patterns or or change certain behavioral patterns so you're not that anymore?
0: Yes. And, you know, more and more I'm seeing on social media, which, you know, is obviously fact that some people are, they, there's now a category of self-aware narcissists and these people have been diagnosed and they care that they're diagnosed narcissistic and they are working on it. So I think that those people for sure can, can change. And I think, um, Just in general, when we're talking about personality disorders, the changes usually aren't like a whole 180. It's usually not like this person's completely different now, like in the world of addiction that happens, like the person using versus the person sober. It's like totally night and day who they are. That doesn't really happen with personality disorders. It's more like small incremental changes and, you know. If that's the case, if you're self-aware and you're working on yourself, yes, I think that people, I think anybody can change. Uh, but just in general, personality disorders don't have the best recovery rate. Um, and the the ones that are made, I think that they're made because of power and money and fame. And oftentimes people in the... Um, upper echelon of the socioeconomic status, they tend to be a lot more entitled and a lot more um, thinking that everything should be about them. And Mm. that's because it's, that's been their experience. I have money, so people bow to me sort of thing. Um, And that can create, I think, more of a problem. And, and that's and, not everybody with money or anything like that, but I could see how that would be a problem more so in Hollywood because these people have money and they have fame and everybody's bowing to them all the time. So they start to think I must be the shit basically.
1: That's what I was just going to say. And, and it's not only, I think Hollywood, it's anything that has some type of fame connected to it. Right. So my, or, or money or, or whatever people the, the, um, define as power to yeah. them. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's professional athletes. hmm they're, they're on the field or on the court and when they're there people treat them like god you know like i remember seeing a little snippet of this um of this you know water boy or something and tom brady grabbed the water bottle sprayed it, whatever and gave it back to him and ran on the field and the guy was looking at the water bottle like oh my god tom. <laughs> you know and so they're treated as god they're like I bet you he stole that water bottle that night he's like no I'm keeping this you know and (laughs) yeah so it's being treated and I don't really blame them right and if you really think about it it, there's actually a a comedian that came out with like a special that talked about this a little bit I I forgot his name but anyways he just said think about it he was talking about Mick Jagger uh, um, going to SNL and they said hey is Mick Jagger a nice person he went well, you have to define what it is because he's Mick Jagger, so he's on stage and people are loving him and treating him as God for the last fifty years of his life. Anywhere he goes, he probably doesn't pay for anything. He probably doesn't ever worry about it. And he could park in the middle of the street and walk out and people are like, Oh my god, can I park your car for you? You know, or whatever, right? And he could yeah. do what was, and at, at some point and I don't blame him. If someone did that to me, after a while I'd be like, I am this shit. <laughs> you
0: know? Yeah, I actually have have been known to say that when people get money or power, which they can go hand in hand or they can be separate, for example, police, you know, not not trying to stir a pot here, but just saying uh, you don't know if the power is going to go straight to their ego or not. And I think the majority of the time it does. And I think it's actually the minority that remain humble and grounded and i think it's probably conscious work that people have to do or i don't know maybe it's just in their nature um but i assume that there's a temptation there at some point to to let it go to their ego
1: absolutely when you get your ass kissed everywhere you go you get pulled over hi sir ma'am hi ah," and no one's mean to you it's like "Mm." so uh, okay it's it's hard, uh, but just taking a couple of steps back, we forgot to define what narcissism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah
0: so th- this is also hairy because <laughs> nothing's going to be black and white here, people. <laughs> Sorry, I apologize. Um, there's a There's a diagnostic statistical manual that we use to diagnose people, and what that says versus what we know about narcissism is is a little bit different. So, and this is true of a lot of diagnoses. Um, Another example would be ADHD. We have criteria and there's like 12 symptoms that define ADHD according to the, the manual. But in reality, there's been so much research done since that manual was made that we have a lot deeper understanding of ADHD now. And hopefully in the next manual, we're gonna be defining it differently. Um, And so that's kind of the case for narcissism as well. And narcissism has been a very hot topic because it's, it's the information is more readily available now. So um, I think when people think about narcissists, they think of them as people who are obsessed with themselves. And that is true to a degree. They, they can be people who are obsessed with themselves, but any, um, any diagnosis can look different on different people. So not all narcissists are just obsessed with themselves. So we're going to make it even more confusing for you. <laughs> so um, generally speaking, they're, they might be obsessed with themselves. They might be, um, they have a, a air of importance about them. They think that they're very important and they, they only want to talk to other people who are really important. And of course it's who they deem to be important. So it's not necessarily who you and I would deem to be important, but generally speaking, it's people outside of their family, like people in their family, not that important to them, but people outside of their family, everything is about appearance and, and how things are going to look outside of the family. So I need to, when I'm in public, people are going to think that I'm charming. People are going to think that I'm beautiful. People are going to think that I'm great because that's how I present outside of my household. Inside my household, I'm going to be a total asshole though. And the people very close to me are going to understand that I'm an asshole, that everything's about me, that I'm entitled, that when that I'm going to kind of try to run the show. And when things don't go my way, that's when all hell breaks loose. So if you disagree with me, Or you don't want to do what I want to do, or you don't want to do it the way that I think we should do it, or you embarrass me in public, God forbid, God forbid, that's going to be a big problem. And they get very nasty. And this is why I was telling you, I don't think you've ever been a narcissist because I just can't imagine you. And I, I could be wrong, but I can't imagine you being nasty and they get nasty. Like they will cut you to your core. They will find your deepest insecurity
1: and throw that shit in your face. It's very sick. It's very sick. Yeah. i I guess I have boundaries in that way. I wouldn't, I would never do that to my parents or, you know, like some of my sisters, but I have, um, my older sister and I have a very tumultuous relationship. So I, uh, in my twenties, I'm, I'm pretty sure I've said things that are crazy mean to her, but if it, is it like specific to somebody, you know, is, is it like one person you hold a grudge about and you're a narcissist to that one person, or you just generally a narcissist?
0: No, it's definitely not specific to one person. Um, And that's actually a common, um, flawed thought that people have like when they're in a relationship with a narcissist the the person in the relationship with the narcissist will think it's got to be me like I've got to be the problem somehow because you're so mean and cruel to me that it's got to be me but it's not just you they're probably like that at work to certain people not to the boss don't get me wrong they're not stupid they know who they can treat poorly and who they can't so to some people at work they they probably treat them like absolute garbage and to other people they probably treat them very strategically with their charm and their charisma because they're not dumb so uh god i think that just contradicted itself again so although it's it's not just one person they are strategic in who they treat like shit and usually, it's the people closest to them, or the people beneath them, quote unquote, the people that they know
1: they can get away with treating like that. Oh, because I, I am, I am a little bit. I feel like we're all a little bit mean to our mothers <laughs> because our mom. Uh, because uh, no, uh, Nick Crawl just came out with a, a, a um like a you know Netflix comedy special, and in it he goes. We're so annoying to our moms. He's like, this is how everybody's conversation with the mom is ring, right? She calls in ring and you pick up, you go, what? <laughs> you know, <that's laughs> everyone's first reaction to their mom. And he's like, do you know why? Because just, they're just really annoying because they pick up on the first ring, no matter what they need to give us space. Like he said, like my dad, I call him and then two weeks later, I get a call and he goes, yeah, dad. Oh, do you need anything? He's like, no, I'm just calling you back. Uh, when did I call you? I don't know like 2 weeks ago he's like <laughs> so you, you don't get annoyed of him because he's so aloof.
0: <laughs> oh my god. That does sound pretty accurate. Um and I would say that women and their mothers tend to fight a lot more. Um men probably are just more so annoyed by their mothers. Um but I think they fight less usually with their moms. So that is that's a common trend but but that's not really I mean, narcissists will run the whole household. Like, everybody's going to be afraid of that person and walk on eggshells to try to please that person because you also never know what's going to piss them off. Like, one day you could spill a drink and they'll be like, oh, it's okay, honey. And then the next day you spill a drink and they're like, what the fuck? What is wrong
1: with you? A lot of abusive people are narcissists.
0: Yes. Abusive people tend to be either narcissistic or psychopaths. And sometimes there's a combination, like a lot of times with personality disorders, you'll see uh, comorbidities, like they'll have two personality disorders sort of like overlapping and it's so nasty and ugly. Um, But that is something that happens common. It's a common occurrence. So yes, abusers tend to be narcissistic or psychopaths. Uh, definitely up there sometimes even borderline because borderline people um tend to have really intense emotions and when they are in that really intense emotion they really have a hard time controlling themselves so
1: yeah personality disorders and abusers for sure because yeah I was thinking about you know when I was younger and I had uh, and I was being abused um and not for my parents, clear that up, but you know, the abuser, what would say really nasty things to me and the inconsistency of it. Like it would be um, like a moving target. Like one day um, it'll be like, okay, give me a cup of water or something. I'll get her a glass of water and it wouldn't have enough ice or something. Right. It would just, she would just go ballistic, like crazy on me, you know? And then the next day would be like, why did you put so much ice? You know, like it would just be a moving target on what what she wanted and how, and it felt like walking on eggshells, but how do we know if that diagnosis was that young? Like, can you, are you born, you're literally born one. So like the toddlers just throw are just throwing tantrums. all the- <laughs> Well,
0: let me be clear that all little kids are narcissists. So actually a perfect example of little of a narcissist is a little kid because they do not have the capacity to think outside of themselves. So everything is about them and they don't, they don't have developmentally, their brain is not in a place where they can think outside of themselves. So, um, yes, toddlers are narcissists and, you know, most people grow out of it, but some people don't. And, you know, again, going back to my education in graduate school, they told us that, um, personalities are born personality disorders are born out of trauma not genetics however i think now that we know a lot more about epigenetics and the fact that trauma can be inherited it certainly appears to me that some people who maybe did not experience trauma themselves can inherit traits of narcissism and yes sort of be born as a narcissist even though they didn't experience anything that would necessarily have caused it. Oh, wow. Yeah. So um, I can think of like one of my clients, she dated this guy who was total narcissist. Another um, key symptom of narcissism is that they never admit they're wrong. They're never wrong. They're there's. It's always somebody else's fault. Usually you, if you're the target, if you're the person getting abused, it's always going to be your fault. And they'll like twist things so well that you buy it and people buy it for a really long time. And that keeps them in the relationships with the people like, damn, I just can't do anything right. Like I keep messing this up, you know, and it's not true. It's just the way that they've twisted things to not take any responsibility themselves. So this guy was very much like that. And this girl was falling for it, essentially. And one day she was having a conversation with his grandmother and she got really close with his grandmother and his grandmother told her, yeah, um, my husband was the exact same way. And the only reason I stayed with him was because I had kids. You need to leave. What? Yes. 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 But like, cause I was asking her, like, well, what is his family like? Cause she was like, I love his family. They're so great. Like, he didn't experience any trauma. He didn't have anything major go on in his life that would cause that. But when his grandmother said, my husband was the same way, it was like, ding. For me, it was like, okay. Then he
1: just inherited these traits. But if, okay, I'm being on his side, like, sorry, in his defense. Mm-hmm. Him being born with it, right? Inherited traits, he can't really do anything about it. So, since he's lived this lifestyle for probably decades, I'm guessing he's in his 30s or something, um, is it too late to start getting help?
0: I never think it's too late. I mean, the research shows that we can develop new neural pathways, which is what we need to do to change into our 90s. So, if that's the case, then we can always change. However, The first step to changing is realizing that there's a problem. And if you never take responsibility for anything, then there's never a problem. (laughs) What is there Uh, to change? I don't need to change. What do I need
1: to change? It's not me. It's everybody else. Yeah. If they are a or they're not so crazy or they're not so defensive, then everything would be fine. Oh, if you didn't make me so mad, I wouldn't act this way. That sounds very, oh my God, that sounds so abusive because, uh, um, you know, during my abuse, once I started going to therapy and I started researching more abusive of relationships, that would be a key thing would be like, if you didn't make me do it, I wouldn't have done it. Mm-hmm. And i heard that so much, but I, I struggled with self-esteem growing up. And even when I was younger, I just looked up, I, this person was my hero, you know? So anything that person said, it was like, I believed. So when it said, if you didn't make me do it, I, and I would think I'm so stupid. I wish I didn't Mm. do that. If I didn't do that, she wouldn't have hit me. She wouldn't have done that to me. She wouldn't, you know, and I made her do it. So it was years of just thinking that I made someone hurt me.
0: Yeah, I know. And that's how they get us. There was a, there was a story that I will never forget because this client I literally threw my notebook when he told me this story. So his girlfriend uh, was super manipulative. I mean, both of them have their issues for sure. But she had done something that she knew was completely unacceptable to him. And he finally confronted her about it. And it was blew up into a big argument. And in the end, she couldn't argue any of his points anymore. So she just started bawling and this is what they do. They become the victim and they have these moments of truth. And she just started saying like, Oh, I, I'm just so terrible. I don't know why I do these things. And um, he felt bad for her. And he almost took back the breakup. He was breaking up with her um. and he almost took it back. And he told me, I left, but when I left, I felt so bad and I cried on my way home. And I took my notebook and threw it. And I was like, are you (laughs) fucking kidding me? She got you, man. And that's what they do. Like, if they can't do anything else, like nothing else is working. They just become the victim. And they all of a sudden admit everything. And then they get you to comfort them. Oh, it's oh mind-blowing what these people do. It's, And I don't even think it's always conscious. I don't think they're consciously doing it. I think they really are feeling like,
1: you know. I, I, must- I think it's her fault. Like, she's still in my life today. And I don't think she thinks it's her fault or she doesn't. I don't think she is. She thinks that she's manipulative or... She doesn't seem like she's like, because why would a narcissist want to live that life?
0: Well, it's very, it's very miserable because deep inside, they know that they're the problem deep inside, but they can't admit it because one of the things that they fear the most is abandonment. So if they admit that they're this horrible person, then you might leave them. And if you leave them, then they have to face the music that they are this person who has done all of this terrible stuff and they cannot handle that at all, that that truth is way too heavy for them. So even though they have these moments of like clarity and honesty and they, they tell the truth and most of the time it is for a manipulative purpose, but, um, the next day, they'll deny all of it over again and be like, well, I don't think that was really what happened. And it's uh-huh. like a serious mind fuck for people because they're like, wait a minute, like last night you were crying and begging me to stay. And now today you're like, eh, was it really that big of a deal? You know, and that's but that's what they have to tell themselves because the truth is way too painful for them. So they cannot acknowledge the truth for too long only in small doses and they have to immediately dismiss it but another thing is that if they get you to feel bad for them and to tell them like oh it's not that bad you're not that bad that gives them permission to continue to be who they are
1: so are they are we supposed to have them literally fall like like get to the bottom of the pit you know like if their life for them to change When you listen to
0: people who are the more self-aware narcissists, that is kind of what it takes. It does take them sort of like losing a lot of people or almost losing their partner or, you know, something along those lines, because without consequences, we can convince ourselves that anything is okay. If I'm drinking at work every day and nobody says anything to me, then I can convince myself it's totally fine. Why would it be? Well, it's not a problem. No one says anything. No one's complained. So is it a problem?
1: <laughs> and it's kind of like if people complain and said, Hey, you're kind of drinking a lot versus if you drink, if you show up like this anymore, you're losing your job. Exactly. And they, I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to lose my life. I'm going to lose my partner. I need help. Yes. Yes. There
0: has to be consequences. And we, as you know, you and I, I'm talking about me and you, we're nice people. (laughs) And as nice people, we like to sugarcoat and we like to focus on the positives and we like to encourage. And sometimes that can become enabling,
1: unfortunately. I can see that. Definitely.
0: Yeah. There is a such thing as being too nice and, and not setting enough boundaries and not creating enough consequences for people. And then that just enables them to continue on doing what they're doing. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's so, you know, going back to children, it's not any different with kids. Kids have to have consequences or they don't learn that something is wrong. And how you choose to do the consequences is totally up to the parents. Um, but there has to be a consequence. Otherwise, why
1: would they do anything different? Yeah. Why why wouldn't they eat chocolate all night? The consequence is they're gonna wake up with a huge stomach ache and they go, Okay, now you know you probably shouldn't be doing that. It's like, ah, oh, you're right. Right. <laughs> Yo, if you're going to be late for school every single day, which I was in high school, I was late to school every single day. Then I think on my 30th day or something that I was late, Um, I had to do lunch detention like for three days in a row. And I was like, I hate this. So after that, I don't think I was late anymore. You know, I needed a wake up call.
0: Yeah. Yep. So, you know, adults are really not that different from children there has to be a consequence so if if you're in a relationship and you don't like a behavior that someone has you can change the standard and say i'm not going to tolerate this and then follow up with that and be a person of your word and that person will either have one of two choices either they exit your life because they can't meet your standard or they meet your standard so it's interesting how people are like I don't understand why everyone treats me this way because you let them.
1: Mm. And we let them because of our self-esteem. I I wasn't very I wasn't very confident growing up so I always had was taken advantage of not not only by narcissists but by, by everybody, right? So my time was valued by what other people felt like Uh, what they what I could do for other people Mm. so I felt valued when I could um I I just felt valued as a person when I brought value into someone's life and it didn't matter if that hurt me or not or I only had you know two hours of sleep because I was up all night trying to do this and I would overly um I would spend so much time on someone else's issues and maybe I was also running away from my stuff or or whatnot but I it I still struggle but um with saying no, like, it's hard for me to say, no, I I'm sorry. I can't help you or no, I don't have time to do that. That's still hard for me to do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you were conditioned by someone who sounds kind of like a narcissist. I can't say for sure if they are or not, I haven't assessed them, (laughs) but, um, this person sounds kind of narcissistic. And when you are, um, raised around someone like that you become conditioned to meet their needs because if you don't there's punishment so then it becomes you're now you're trained at least this is the way it goes most of the time if if a narcissist meets a narcissist oh my god the blowout is just terrible
1: (laughs) oh so normally they wouldn't last in a long in a long-term relationship (laughs) no that's (laughs) not gonna go very well Um,
0: in the beginning, it'll probably be fine because in the beginning we're love bombing and we're charming and we're doing everything we can to make this person like us. And then, uh, when it's my way or the highway and the other person also feels like it's my way or the highway, that's just, just not gonna, it's not going to last very long. Um, but most of the time we don't see that dynamic. Most of the time we see the person who is being submissive and who is pleasing and who is trying to accommodate this person who's very difficult. And so then they they learn that that keeps them safe. And so it's basically a survival tactic. Like I'm just people pleasing to survive essentially.
1: So what's the difference between dating somebody and like getting super excited about them. Like, like, okay, if I'm dating a narcissist or dating a regular person that's just really excited about a relationship. So he does a love bomb and whatnot. But I, I guess I, a love bomb is just being really overly like, I love you. You are the one, blah, blah, blah. Like super early on, like a week into it. What, what are you talking about?
0: Yeah. I mean, it can be difficult to tease apart it really can. And sometimes we don't know until there's been some time. And I think that's one of the reasons that people tend to say, don't marry someone after you've only known them for three months, you know? Hmm. Um, And I believe that you can meet someone and know that that person's the one in three months and go for it, which is, you know, what you're talking about. Like, how do you know that, that this is a narcissist? And so, so um it can be very difficult because yes, it is possible that you just met the love of your life and the two of you are just really excited about each other, or it's possible that this person is a narcissist and we just need to give it time for them to show their true colors.
1: How time is enough time?
0: Ugh, that's a dang good question. I always think about the movie Enough when Jennifer Lopez marries that guy who's like, um persistent and pursues her and pursues her. And like, as soon as she marries him, he's super abusive. Um, So I don't know. I mean, I can't answer that. The the thing I can say is that we should look for red flags. And, you know, I feel like the young people are talking about red flags all the time and like damn near everything has become
1: <laughs> a red flag. Yeah. Just give up too right? right? The difference between giving up too fast or like yeah. under the true red flag.
0: I mean, everything in life is about balance and is incredibly hard. I really think that that's like the whole task of life is to try to find balance. (laughs) It's really, it's so hard. It's so hard to find the balance. So what is the answer? I don't have one. I, I really don't like, I've even been fooled by friends of mine who were dating somebody and they were moving really quickly in the relationship. And I was like, but this person seems so great. And I was all excited and happy for them. And then it turned out they were an abuser. So, I mean, I've been fooled myself and I've seen posts where people are like, if you're healthy, you can't be fooled by a narcissist. And I just, I don't know if I think that's true or not, because I kind of feel like narcissists are so good. Anybody could
1: be fooled by them. In fact, I feel like most people have been. Yeah. And I was going to say that I was like, oh, because I struggle with self-esteem. And now I feel like I'm the most confident I've ever been in my life. And I'm like, oh, I'll never date a narcissist again. But I don't, I don't know if that's true. Maybe I might. I mean, I hope that you don't. I
0: hope that you've kind of grown past that. And I hope that that's not okay. So go moving into like a little bit of a deeper level of all of this. Unfortunately, I feel like we do attract um, what we've experienced. So when you've experienced trauma and you've experienced narcissism, I think you're more likely to attract that. And I think when you do personal work and you get healthier you're less likely to attract that same kind of person not that you couldn't but it's less likely Mm. so if you find that you have attracted narcissists repeatedly then you probably do need to do some more deeper personal work and um, set yourself up for something better and different and all it takes is one healthy relationship for people to be like whoa what have I been doing (laughs) it's suddenly the old standard is no longer tolerable to them. Like, uh ah, that's not going to fly. That's not going to happen. And so those people I do think are less likely to engage in those relationships because they've done it already and they've learned from it. But I think like the average person who hasn't experienced trauma could still fall victim to a narcissist because
1: they, they are falling for the show essentially right huh that's so interesting and if you even think about it food wise you know you could say oh i i eat um you know boiled eggs boil hard boiled eggs every day since i was you know since i was born whatever until now and i never learned how to cook and i don't eat out and whatever so you never experience food but the first time you actually eat like you're like cheesecake I'll never just eat plain eggs again. You know, you try an omelet for the first time or whatever. And you go, oh, I'm never going to do that again. It's the same concept, right? It's like once you're in a relationship and you just feel really happy and you're not walking on eggshells and you're not scared mm-hmm. or nervous if like the other shoe's going to drop or like, is this going to be okay? Or can I talk about these things? And can I, you know, do I feel free in my relationship? Uh once you get into a relationship that you do feel like that, I absolutely agree with that. I've dated narcissists too, but I also thought I was one. <laughs> so maybe we <laughs> were just bad in relationships. I don't know, but I'm, you know, I'm currently in a relationship now that he just really you know, showers me in attention and everything. And I do feel like, Oh, even if this ends, right. And I'm okay with that, but um, I don't, my next one, I, I couldn't date anything less than that he's brought a new standard in my relationships.
0: Yeah. Uh, another reason that I don't think you're a narcissist, there's two other um, symptoms, so to speak, that I want to mention that I don't think apply to you. And and you can, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, one of them is that the rules are always different for the narcissist than they are for anyone else. So this is a dumb example, but I'll give you one. Um, let's just say, for example, that the narcissist hates when, when anybody farts, but if the narcissist farts, then that's funny. (laughs) That's hilarious. I farted. That's so funny. But if you fart, ew, that's disgusting. You're disgusting. You disgust me, you know, and, and that's how they are. Like whatever they do is totally fine. But if you do it, they may or may not think that's okay. So the rules are different for them than they are for anybody else. And the other thing is, they don't respect anybody's boundaries. So if you're saying, oh, no, I can't really do that. They're like, yes, you can do it. Just do it. I want you to do it. Come on. What do I have to do to get you to do it? And they're not going to stop until they get what they want. Or like if you close your door because you want privacy, they just open your door. They don't ask if they can come in. They're just going to open the door because the rules are different for them. If you did that to them, it would be a big problem. But they, they can do it to you because your boundaries don't matter. What's more important is what I want right now. And what yeah. I want is to open this door. Um, the same can even go for food. Like if you if they said to you like, oh, Julie, where do you want to go to eat? And you were like, oh, I'm really feeling uh, Mexican tonight. And they were like, nah, nah, I don't want to eat Mexican. Let's eat Chinese. <laughs> Like you would, I can't imagine you doing that to somebody. I can't imagine you doing either one of those things. Like, oh, you need space. I don't care. I'm
1: coming in anyway. <laughs> yeah, I, no, I'm not like that now, but I, I think there's parts of me throughout my life that were like that. I think we all have parts of
0: narcissism because again, we can all be selfish. So anytime yeah. we're being selfish, we could appear to be narcissistic. Uh, but we're talking about something that's, on a more extreme level where this is who they are all the time and um you know i think there's a spectrum of narcissism there's mild to severe and if you're on the mild end maybe you only have your crazy outbursts every three to four months um and if you're on the severe end it's like daily people are worried about what's going to happen but with any narcissist they go through periods of time where they are um, more reasonable and so it's almost like we immediately forget that they become unreasonable and then we have to be reminded and it's unfortunate because I think that's why people stay so long sometimes because they there's such gaps between when the person behaves in this negative terrible way um, that they're able to convince themselves that oh maybe something's changed maybe that's different now and that's not really the case it's just that they're in in their cycle, they're in like a nicer stage and how, how fast they cycle depends on how severe they are.
1: Oh. And, and I think most people are hopeful, right? Hope never dies. So they're like, no, he's been nice before, or she's been nice before. She could be nice again. He could be nice. He's he's done nice things to me before. And we hold on to those nice moments and we justify the bad moments with the nice moments. And now have such I don't really have bad moments in my relationship now so it's like oh I don't think relationships are supposed to have bad moments like this not like this
0: yeah you know not that severe and you know oh shit I just forgot what I was gonna say it was something good though if I remember I'll let you know (laughs) (laughs) Um, oh I was gonna say narcissists can be really fun so that's another part of the problem is that you can have like the best day or night or week of your life with a narcissist they're like the best time ever and then the very next week or the very next month they're a total tyrant and that contrast is very confusing for people and so people are like whoa what just happened like who is this person?" And usually the longer we're with someone, the periods of happiness get shorter and the periods of anger get longer. Mm. And, and that's generally what kind of is the demise of the relationship if it has a demise. Uh, But narcissists are very easy to love because they can be so much fun.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Just like that, your, your example where the grandma was with the husband and she didn't talk about divorce or anything. And also culturally at that time, divorce was probably looked down upon. And so she thought she had no other choice, but she stayed with narcissist her entire life. Yeah. Well, and here's the other thing, you know, you were asking about change.
0: I absolutely think every narcissist is capable of change, but from what I've seen in my career, and this is very limited, you know, I don't have like research that shows this uh, is that if they're going to change, like completely it usually doesn't happen until their grandparents and all of a sudden when their grandparents they're like these they're like a totally different person and a lot of times their kids are looking at them like who are you like you were never (laughs) this nice to me you know Uh, but it's like I don't know if it's like a realization that they come to or if it's just mellowing out with age I'm not exactly sure exactly the neurology of what's happening there for people, but uh, I think a lot of times they end up regretting the way that they were. And I think Neil Brennan talked about it in one of his um, comedy skits. He was talking about how his dad was a narcissist and at the end of his dad's life he really it was really important to him to go talk to his dad and be there with him at the end of his life and his dad finally admitted that he doesn't think he ever really loved his children and wow. neil said that it was like a relief for him it was sad for him to hear it out loud but it was a relief for him because he was like okay i'm not
1: crazy <laughs> it really didn't uh, seem uh, like he loved us oh you know what? i might have watched the same thing he called it his his stand-up comedy series he calls it a tromedy. Oh, that's coming. Because it's true. He mixes really vulnerable, dark stuff in his comedy. Yeah. He's uncomfortable. But I think for you and me that love, you know, therapy and love those things, I love watching him. Yes. Me
0: too. I love it. I I love Neil Brennan. I think he's fantastic. Him and Dave Chappelle are like
1: my faves. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Easy. they're fantastic uh and, and just just thinking about how vulnerable people are and maybe that's kind of the gateway that narcissism that maybe the first baby steps is when they're being vulnerable when they're actually being authentically themselves and admitting these wrongs and maybe that's too painful They to have to admit, admit small wrongs like oh i left the oreos out last night that was me yeah instead of no, you made me leave them out. Remember you distracted me, so I left them out and you asked me to go take out the trash. I wouldn't have left them out if you didn't ask me to take out the trash. Yeah. If it was just like, oh, my fault, I left them out. It's just yeah. that's it. Leave it at that, except that part. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, I, I'm a firm believer that big change happens small. So absolutely, that would be a good place for people to start. Um, and, you know, I do think, I know for myself, I, I remember learning in graduate school that nobody can make you feel anything. And I was like, disgruntled about that message. I was like, excuse me, you're making me mad right now. Like, what are you doing?" <laughs> <about?" laughs> because in my head, that meant that people could treat you however they want and you shouldn't have any emotional response to it. And that's not necessarily what it meant because we're human. We're going to have an emotional response to something, but we have control over how we interpret what is happening. And so therefore we cannot blame anybody for the way that we feel because our interpretation is usually based on our own experiences and may or may not be fact.
1: <laughs> Do you know what? That's really true because let's you and I grew up really, pretty differently. And let's say someone said something about, you know, I don't know if, if I if I bit into an apple that had a worm in it and ever since then, I'm like, I'm never eating apples again. And let's say we're having dinner or we're having lunch or something, a picnic and so- and someone brought a basket of apples. I'll be like, oh, my God, I would feel scared, maybe sweaty, uh, kind of grossed out. Maybe my stomach hurts. That's my reaction from my collection of experiences in my life to these basket of apples. You, on the other hand, could be like, I love apples and be drooly and be like, yes, best thing ever, you know, and we would have the two completely different reactions to the same thing. Yeah.
0: And that's where biology comes in, too, because you could have taste buds that don't allow you to taste the sweetness maybe of the apple. And so it just kind of tastes watery to you. And it's like not really that appealing. And maybe my taste buds are more sensitive to sweet and so I take the bite of the apple and I'm like oh my god this is delicious right so genetics control our taste buds and so genetics and experiences then play a big role in whether or not we are going to like that apple and that's the same thing for anything else in life and that's why things really aren't personal because you know maybe you know I don't know somebody got beat by an Asian boyfriend and so now they're like oh I don't I don't trust Asians you know I'm just generalizing here (laughs) and so maybe they just see you and they automatically are like oh I don't like Julie you know and they have no reason for that they don't know you at all but just because of this experience that they've had they're like oh no can't can't do it and are they allowed to say that are they allowed to say to themselves I don't I don't want to associate with Julie. Absolutely. But is that personal to you? Does that mean anything bad about you? No.
1: And I think we have to be in a good place in our lives to differentiate when there is that reaction, when someone says, oh, I don't like you. And and instead of going, did I do something, whatever, and trying to dig into that, it's, it's just saying, well, I know I didn't do anything wrong. I know my worth. I know, you know, uh, that, I'm fine. And I'm a good person. So what you're saying doesn't make, you know, doesn't won't hurt me, but that's a really hard place to be.
0: It's a really hard place to be. And frankly, I'm still working on it. I don't think that I'm at a place where I don't take anything personally and I have to struggle through things. But what I will say is being in this field and having been doing work for a long time, um, personally, and as you know, I plan to do work the rest of my life, but I think that it's. I don't struggle with things for as long. And I think that that's really the key that we're looking for is how long we belabor something in our minds and in our, you know, behavior. Um, so I think there might be a part of us that's always like, Oh shit, did I do something wrong? But mm-hmm. how long are we going to sit and obsess over it?
1: Yeah. And I, and I think we mentioned this on a side conversation, maybe in a po- past podcast, uh, the key to therapy is to help to have your therapist help you get over whatever that problem is. Yeah. So you can release that, those feelings and move on. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, you know, and some people are, are naturally, they just have the capacity to think in a healthier way and, and that's just who they are as people. And they were sort of just popped out that way. But I think for the rest of us, it's a lot of work. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I it's it's been a lot of work. I feel like it's always going to be work. I don't know. I feel like it's an ongoing thing, and and it's almost, uh, I feel like it's delusional kind of to think that life is a destination. Right? We get there, we're done. Okay, I don't need to do any more work now. We're good. It's almost like working out and getting to your your perfect body, and then being like, okay, I'm good now. I could eat all the chocolate in the world, and I could I, I could sit on the couch forever. It's like no. Once you get there, you, you have to keep going maintenance bitch (laughs) work hard as hard work out as hard or like you know go to therapy every single day like you did before but you know once a week maintenance check how you feel or maybe once in two weeks or maybe you have to go once a month at some point and just just or having somebody to talk to like really authentically talk to and vent to and and really release all your pent-up feelings
0: yeah you know um I was just talking to a client recently who was saying I hadn't talked to him in like probably over a year and he's going through something and he was like, I really don't have anybody else to talk to about this. And so sometimes that's the point of therapy to have someone that you feel like you can
1: tell whatever it is to. And the great thing is it doesn't bite you back in the ass because it's like it's he that person like for you right uh if a client just came into your door and said you you don't know that clients you didn't grow up with a client's family you don't know the client's friends you don't know the clients whoever the client's dating so at the end of the day it's like a safe space to to word vomit everything yeah and then at the end of it you just go thank you bye I'll see yeah. you next week <laughs> yeah exactly
0: yeah I actually had a couple clients in the past tell me that they basically just pay me because they know I can't tell anybody anything that they say to me <laughs> that's not a guarantee anywhere else in life that's true well uh, uh attorneys attorneys yeah attorney client privilege you're right actually um i think i told you this before but a professor in college was like do you really want to be a therapist maybe you should just be an attorney <laughs> I was so confused at the time. I'm like, what? How are they similar? Now you're like, I
1: get it. Now I get it. Now I get it. That's funny. The breakdown. That was really interesting because I'm always confused. I'm like, man, that was such a narcissistic reaction of mine. You know, I'll just, and I'm like, And I'll be inconsistent or I'll say, you're, you're not allowed to do that, but I am. And then I do something I go, Oh, ah, that was kind of, and then it makes me feel, am I a mild narcissist?
0: (laughs) I mean, this is why I think healthy people should ask themselves that question. Um, But this is why I think it gets tossed around so much because um, it is very confusing and it's kind of gray and it's kind of um, contradictory at times. So everybody can have some traits of narcissism because we can all be selfish, but just like anything else, it's about how often is this happening and how bad is it when it happens? Mm. So for a narcissist, it's going to happen more frequently and it's going to be worse than the average person. So their reactions to things are going to be way over the top. And, and that's one of the signs like, uh why are you showing up at my job right now? <laughs> that's one of oh. the red flags, by the way. <laughs> oh, I de- I definitely dated a couple of those. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's a bit much here. Like why why are we doing that? Um
1: so but you maybe, know maybe, sorry, even maybe if a person asks, Am I a narcissist? might be a sign that they aren't. Right. And
0: unfortunately that is a might. Um, because oh again, narcissists do have these moments when they're like, damn, am I the problem? And you know, usually it doesn't go well if you tell them the truth. <laughs> um, so it's, that's why it's so hard to help them because even when you tell them the truth, sometimes they're like, now I just won't talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah, I'm getting a new therapist. She or I'm going to be mad at you for saying uh-huh. that. Or I'm going to find a reason that you're the problem here. You know, there's you. a lot of different reactions that they could have. But um, so sometimes they have like this smidge of um awareness about it. And so they they do say that. And again, this is why it's so mm. confusing because- Healthy people are like, oh, shit, am I a narcissist? And it's a good question to ask yourself. And it's a good question to sit with. Uh, but it is unlikely that the average person is a narcissist because it it's a pretty severe disorder.
1: Are you working with any now? No,
0: I've actually only worked with one person that I would diagnose as a narcissist. Uh, I've worked with a lot of borderlines. And again, borderlines can have some abusive qualities and traits um but yeah that didn't go very well working with the narcissist
1: was did you
0: feel like even as a therapist you had to walk an eggshells absolutely absolutely had to be very careful and document the shit out of every session because they twist and turn and i didn't feel safe i didn't feel safe as a
1: therapist wow yeah the, but they need to be really smart right because there's a lot of lies and a spider web come you know like level of lies that are they're just building and building and building and they have to remember all those lies that's a lot of energy the smarter ones are usually more successful but you don't have to be smart <laughs> oh no, you just be a dumb boy you'd be like <laughs> no i'm all day. but you said well, it's because, it's because, oh, there's always an excuse. That's true. You could e- make an easy excuse. Of, oh, it's because you made me do it. Or because you said this. Or because you did Yeah, Yeah. I can see that.
0: I remember going to a personality disorder training and the guy was saying, like, when you're working with, like, people with psychopath or narcissism, you want to tell them as little about yourself as possible because they can and will use any of it against you.
1: Oh. And that's the truth.
0: Even like doing couples counseling with somebody who's abusive, Mm -hmm. anything you say in couples counseling is going to come back up later that they're if if they want to have fuel for a fire, they're going to bring up what you said later, which is why couples counseling isn't usually advised in an abusive relationship. What? Yeah, because if you come into the office, let's say with one of your abusers and you're like, he did this, he did that, he did this. He's going to be like, oh, you're going to run and tell the therapist that I did this. How about I do this to shut you up? Or, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. Or yeah. you said this in therapy. What is that supposed to mean? Is that really what you
1: think of me? Or, you know, things like that. When you role play and our viewers, <laughs> listeners can't see this, but my jaw is mostly on the floor the entire time. I'm looking at Elise, like, oh, my God god the whole like there's some things are so mean it's just so sad it really breaks my heart like and these people deal with this every day Mm -hmm. like I, i i even i had one um actually employee and she was really good she was with us maybe two three years the first year she was fantastic i was like oh you're great i was adding more hours for her i was giving her better positions i was doing all this stuff then it's her her performance started slipping and she started showing up late. Then she started wearing a lot of sweaters in the summertime. Then she was wearing a turtleneck in the summertime one time. And I went, oh no, this sounds weird. So I brought her in and I said, hey, I was talking about her performance and everything. And I said, are you okay? And then she looked at me and I had asked her, I just asked her like two more times, are you okay? Silence. Are you over? she cried and she oh, told me everything, everything and how he would like turn up the stereo as loud as possible during the time he would beat her because mm. so the neighbors don't hear and she thinks like that and he she lived with him for the entire three years she was with us mm. so I so I was like we're moving you out of there, you know, like we're, I, that's it, we're going to do, it. so I was calling her every day, like, hey, let's do, hey, let's, fi- you know, I'll find something for you, let's, let's, let's move out, you know, I'll go over there, I'll move you, you know, everything, and in the beginning, I didn't think she would go, and finally, she had, I guess, a friend or something that um just went to her place, and she just left with, like, a, like, literally a backpack full of things, and she left in, a, a, when he went to work or something, and she felt bad, she felt yeah. terrible, doing it and then she uh, then we found her counseling like free counseling and things like that you know and so then I checked in with her maybe a couple years after or every six months or something that and she seemed great so it was really nice for her to be in a different relationship that wasn't or at at that time you know wasn't wasn't abusive I haven't really you know followed up or whatnot in the last couple years but she seemed a lot happier
0: That was amazing of you. Let me say, first of all, as a boss to even take that kind of interest and concern in your employees. Um, But yeah, I mean, at first it feels like you're doing something wrong or selfish or bad, because again, that's how you've been conditioned throughout the relationship that you don't get to do anything for you. Your opinion doesn't matter, those kinds of things. But the, the longer you're away from the person, the more clarity you're able to gain. And then The stronger you get coming back into yourselves. And I just feel that the need to highlight that human beings in general are very easily manipulated. And I think we become less likely to be manipulated when we have been through it and we know what to recognize and we know what is um, tolerable and what's not. Uh, But in general, I mean, I think that people view it as weakness, and I don't see it as weakness at all, because I just think that in general, human beings are very easily manipulated. Why? Um, I don't know. Maybe it's the nature of our brains and the fact that we can always learn. And so if somebody presents a new perspective, we can easily buy into that especially Mm. if it sounds legit or it makes sense in our head or if they can do it in a way that that makes us feel a certain way then I think you know we I hate to to bring this up but you know the Germans were able to convince a lot of people that the uh, Jews were less than and here in the United States, we were able to convince a lot of people that the Native Americans were less than and then that the uh, African Americans were less than. And all throughout history, you know, those are recent examples, but all throughout history, that's been a thing like many populations have been slaves um, in yeah. different cultural times. So. How is it that that we are able to do that? It's. I I don't necessarily know that I have the explanation for that, but I know that it's a thing that's happened all throughout history. So um, we are easily
1: manipulated. Mm. I, I wonder if it's because we don't give up hope. So we're hoping we want to buy the good story. You know, we want to buy the positive story. We want to buy that things are going to get better. And also on top of that, maybe mm, we don't want to take responsibility, like making the hard decision and saying, these people are bad. Okay, it's their fault. It's not our fault.
0: I think there's a level of uh, fear involved, too. Like when you think about um, how dictators come into power, there's usually they uh, create an enemy and Mm -hmm. then they um, they polarize the people and they create tension and so there's i guess you could say there is a strategy to it Uh, and again i don't know if it's conscious always on their part but i guess you could say there's a strategy to it uh, because united we stand and divided we fall we know that so uh if if they can create enough discord then we're not united and then we're susceptible But usually we're also scared. We're scared of whoever this enemy is that they've created for us. And in an abusive relationship, we're scared that we're the problem, or we're scared that they're going to hurt us, or we're scared that they're more powerful than us, or they're scared that they're going to destroy our career or or whichever way it's going, you know? So usually there's a, a level of fear involved as well.
1: Oh, absolutely. I think so. Hmm. So interesting. I think there's so many layers to this yeah. and it's, and it's ongoing work. Is it, aren't they discovering more and more things about, um, about behavioral patterns all the time?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. We're always learning and, and expanding our understanding of, of things. I mean, if you think about it, like people are obsessed now with serial killers and true crime stories and all of that stuff. But serial killers are like a relatively new thing. And we've, we learned the most about serial killers from the first serial killer.
1: Wait, well, wait, do you think, do you think it's a relatively new thing because we identified somebody that, you know, killed multiple people and fell out? Because maybe it always existed, but oh, we never- yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm sure that killers have always existed. It's just that killing is now not socially acceptable. So, when we, so now that, you know, because back in the day, like somebody offended you, you kill them. Like that's just what you do. We had the gun wars or whatever, where they had the the, the Western like showdown where you like, oh, yeah. Bulls, yeah, yeah, the bulls. <laughs> the yeah, yeah. And before guns, it was swords. And before that, it was, you know, so we've, we've always been killers, um, but it's just now that it's way less
1: socially acceptable. So now it's like, okay, what's up with you? Yeah. If you want to kill all these people. They, they, it actually did like the whole gladiators were really a, a it, it was a business. It was a slavery business. They had oh, yeah. they people and raised it was entertainment, Julie. That, That's how fucked the, up we used to be. <laughs> is that crazy? That is TV. That was basically our, you know, our nowadays version of TV. And people are like, TV's too violent. Really? Yeah. About the
0: radiators. Now that was violent. I'd rather see it on a screen than in person. I mean, I'm very sensitive to violence. Um, so for me, I really cannot imagine just watching someone die. But that's what we used to do all the time. Like, we used to hang people in the
1: street. Like, <laughs> I know. stone like, them, right? As a, t- as a town. Let's throw rocks at this person till yeah. they die. I like what I know. I couldn't do that. I barely. I know I can't even watch. So my brother in law always watches the score on like just uh. random, you know, videos on online, and I can't watch. It. I watched it once, and I go, "Why did you send me that?" And I was, I had nightmares, and then mm-hmm. my mom like showed me some uh, like a dog attack, and I was like, "Oh," and I just, I literally cry. I can't. I can't because it's too sad. Maybe I'm just too sensitive. <laughs>
0: i know i'm sensitive to it i have one client that loves to show me videos of like video games and movie clips and i'm like this is awful
1: why are you showing me this i get nightmares do you get nightmares
0: (laughs) oh i get nightmares for sure easily
1: especially when justice some some type of like the killing that's injustice or something that's like people with their hands tied and they can't do anything about it oh kills me I know
0: even like well this is a totally different subject but it's not actually totally different because we were saying that people are easily manipulated and tv is something that easily manipulates us so I've been watching Yellowstone which is really popular right now and on Yellowstone this family is like super fucked up and they're killing all these people and it's super like awful but yet I feel so much empathy when they suffer I'm like oh no look at this person who's a total fucking bitch, but she's crying and now I feel so bad for her. (laughs) And that's what TV does for us. It like manipulates us into feeling bad for the perpetrator instead of uh, the victim.
1: Narcissism.
0: Yeah, and TV can manipulate us into feeling bad for anyone. It made us feel bad for Jeffrey Dahmer. People were feeling bad for him.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Mm,
0: No, next. (laughs) so- But that's just an example of how easily manipulated we are. And Hollywood figured out how to do it. They were like, you know what? Here's how we're going to do this. We're going to tell the story from a different angle and get (laughs) you.
1: Yeah. I'm going to, we're going to scare a bunch of people. And so the tactic, the fear tactic, right? In the seventies, when they would put something on TV and it would a worldwide uh, broadcast. And then we only had two channels at that time or something. Right. So it's like we, everybody had to watch this. Yeah. Yeah. That's a whole
0: other subject, (laughs) media and manipulation. But, but yeah, I mean, all of us were very easily manipulated. And so we're all vulnerable in that case. And, you know, the best thing we can do is educate ourselves and give relationships time and leave if it's getting worse, not better.
1: No, I love that. What a great ending to this episode, Alicia. (laughs) Thank you, thank you. All
0: right, guys, we'll see you next time.